Welcome to the 44th Good Thinking Podcast. Today, we'll be discussing bullying, an issue that is far too common in the lives of many young people. This is Troy Norbert, Youth Engagement Lead at Partnership for Young London. We'll be hearing from Jonas, a 20-year-old award-winning international public speaker, workshop facilitator, event host, and entrepreneur. And also from me, about how being bullied affects you and why it's important to get support. You don't want to miss this. Over to you, Richard. Thank you, Troy. And I look forward to talking more with you later. And thank you, Jonas, for giving us your time today. The theme of this podcast is of bullying behavior. And I'd like to start off, Jonas, by asking you, when you hear the word bullying or or bullying behavior, or even anti-bullying campaigns like Anti-Bullying Week, which was about to be upon us, what sort of things come to mind for you when when you, you think about that? That's a great question. Firstly, thank you for giving me the opportunity to come on this podcast, Richard. For me personally, when I think of the word bullying, I think of somebody, and it doesn't just have to be a child, it can also be an adult because it happens a lot in the world as well. Somebody who's consistently being picked on about something. And it can be something that is, that, for example, there's a lot of things that other people don't have insecurities about, but because they get bullied about something, it becomes an insecurity, but it was never an issue before they start, began to be bullied about it. So someone being consistently bullied about something, and it's a really it's a really tough thing to really pinpoint the definition because there's various types of bullying. Sometimes there's bullying where you think you're joking with somebody, but deep down, they're being hurt by it, but you think it's banter. And that's something I've, I, because I'm a jokey guy, I'm a jokey guy, so sometimes I'll say something as a joke but people take it as them, me picking on them when really that's not my intent. Or that's not what I do now, of course, because now I know the difference. But when I was in secondary school, that was something that would happen a lot. But now I'm older, I know the difference and I can actually make jokes where I'm not being disrespectful to anybody in any way, shape or fashion. So I think for me personally, it's when you're consistently and it doesn't even have to be intentional, but when you're picking on someone for something, yeah, that that's that's it really. Because, again, it doesn't have to be intentional. It can be intentional. You can have good intention behind what you're doing, but you're still picking on someone. It's, it's similar to when this could be classed as bullying, for example. Someone's parent telling them their child, who has a goal to be an astronaut, for example, you can't do that. You're just da-da-da-da-da. That, that could be seen as a form of bullying. So when you're picking on somebody about something that makes them feel a certain type of way, that isn't a positive feeling to have. That's how I define it. One of the things that's so terrible about a bullying situation is that the person who is being picked upon, in, 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 in your phrase, ends up feeling really bad. And that that's not something that is warranted, deserved. Um, it's not their fault. It is just kind of the end result of, of what happens in that situation. I mean, is that something you would recognize? Yeah, it is. But the thing is that I feel that as young people, you don't, you're new to the world, so you don't really have a sufficient and a sharpened moral compass, if you know what I mean. It's difficult to understand what's right from wrong, and especially when you're in situations where, for example, when you're young, social status makes so much of a difference. And people that are popular in school have so much ego because of the fact that people are loving them. So... Look at I know Mean Girls, for example. I haven't watched that film since I was a little boy, but Mean Girls, these everyone loves these girls because they think they're pretty, but some of them are bullies. And it happens a lot in school. And 
it's something where it can be seen and i think some of it is actually insecurity because the thing is why do you need to randomly pick on someone and intentionally make them feel a type of way about it because i didn't i didn't want to intentionally when i do it i do it as a joke but because i had no siblings around me and i barely used to talk to anybody and because i got bullied a lot about very serious topics for myself as well i thought if i made a joke about someone that was way lighter than I thought, oh, it's not that big of a deal because I get way deeper things said to me. So for me, it was a thing of I had to understand that I need to base what I say and what I do on what how that other person will receive it. So I need to ensure that I think to myself, if I say this right now, will this person be able to handle it? For example, one of my close friends, me and him have some crazy banter, crazy banter. Like, it gets deep. But because we're tight and we've been friends for so long, we're in the position to be able to say those type of things to each other and know that we're still family regardless. We're still very, very close friends. But then there's other people that wouldn't be able to do that. So I need to have the emotional intelligence to understand that. And I feel that when it comes to people that don't intentionally do it, but then get labelled as bullies, it's just emotional intelligence. And maybe like me, they, they lack the social skills to understand it. But it's the fact that when you do get bullied in the first place, some people you either go down two paths you think to yourself oh i should i know how it feels to have something like this said to me or you think to yourself if i say something like this to somebody else it's not as bad as what i get so they won't get hurt by it and that's the path i i went down because i was never someone that wanted to maliciously make someone feel a type of way but sometimes it happened and it's unfortunate but you live and learn from it but that's just my perspective on that as well. And it is very tough to go through, and which is why it's so important that we educate young people on how just to be nice and kind to each other because it's something that people judge so much on money and success and fame, but they don't think about how are you, do you even say good morning to a cleaner when you walk past them? Do you even ask them how they're dating? Stuff like that. Just because somebody doesn't have the best job in the world doesn't mean you can't give them the same respect that you'd give a CEO. And even job shaming is a form of bullying in it of itself. It's a, it's a strong argument, as I think often is said around bullying, that kind of the culture of where you are and that kindness and respect that you were talking about, Jonas, is a really important way of stopping some of the ways people can disrespect and, and even hurt each other. The thing is, I think, as humans, we're social beings. I think most of us want to be accepted by each other, want to have good friendships, good relationships, all this kind of stuff. But... It's just, it's difficult to find that balance sometimes between banter and not trying to take it too far. Especially with, I can't lie, especially with us boys. With us boys, it's like, obviously, we, a, lot, a lot of testosterone flies around, especially when you're growing up. Like, you're like, yeah, I'm the man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it gets to a point where we need to understand that. And, it's, and I think it comes down, especially with men, it comes down to the fact that we've been, I'm not going to lie, indoctrinated if that's even the right word but if that isn't the right word the word i'll use is, is that we, in our subconscious mind we have consistently been taught throughout our lives that as a man it's bad to be emotional and feel a type of way about something if you feel a type of way about something you are soft and you need to go away and you're not a true man but in reality we cannot lie there are things i think everybody in this world has had one thing said to them that has made them feel sad. One thing, I'm pretty sure, one thing, because life isn't linear. 
life is up and down. You're not going to have everybody in the world love you and compliment you and all this kind of stuff. So there's going to be things that happen where you're going to be a bit emotional after what someone says, does, or anything like that. So I think especially because in our subconscious minds as men, it's like I have to be seen as the alpha. I can't be a beta male. And this is, to be honest, recently I found out about the terms alpha male and beta male. I find it quite funny, but it's interesting. And it's the thing where a lot of people want to be the top dog. They want to be seen as a man. They want to be seen as the alpha. I, I need to look more into alpha male and beta male to see what it's really like. And because I just learned it, obviously. But stuff like us men feeling that we don't, we can't talk up about things, can't go to therapy, all this kind of stuff plays into our mind. And the more we put it off and neglect it is the more likely we are to have an outburst. And I'm not going to say an emotional outburst because if I say emotional outburst, it'll make it sound like it's an issue because you need to release, you need to meditate, you need to go and exercise, do all this stuff to ensure that you have a healthy mind and body as well. Because that is when, if you have these things said to you and you have someone to talk to, you can say to yourself, okay, this situation isn't the best right now, but I'm going to get through it. I will get through it. And that's what happened with me. Again, there's, there's so much in what you're saying, Jonas, but but I thought one of the things that struck me in November of last year, we were talking to a young man, Antonio, who talked in a similar way about feeling he'd grown up feeling he always had to be a superhero, which I guess is similar to what you're saying, really, about they're not it not being possible to have feelings that are uncomfortable, that might make you feel sad or upset or, or sometimes angry when you're frustrated because you're supposed to be somehow strong all the time and when we think of that issue of acceptance that you touch on i think what you're saying as well is that one of the things that helps us in our mental health is when we can also accept ourselves and then not have to find ways of trying to get rid of some of those uncomfortable feelings where kind of other people end up feeling the difficult stuff as you're trying to stay strong or or keep things together so it does make a lot of sense that accepting all the different feelings that you have and not feeling bad about that as well might be helpful to everyone in these complicated situations. It's the thing of ensuring that you you have a great circle around you. I feel that because, as again, we are emotional beings, it's so important that as men we have people around us that are encouraging us and saying it's okay for, for if you feel a type of way, da, 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 da. Sometimes you just need to sit down with some of your friends and just be like, how are you feeling? And then obviously they'll say, yeah, I'm good, I'm good, or yeah, I'm calm, as they would say, using slang, they'd say, I'm calm, all that kind of stuff like that. But ask them again, how are you really feeling? Like, how, Not how do you feel, how do you feel right now? Because most of the time, people have a bad day at work. They're not feeling too good. I've had bad days at work when I was in, when I was still in my apprenticeship. I had bad days. And I need to talk to someone because it's something where I can't go in tomorrow with this in my mind without getting it out. I can't, I can't. And it's the same thing with, with bullying in school. So many times as kids, even when I was getting bullied so much throughout my whole time in primary school, secondary school, it was, and to be honest, primary school one is, is primary, like it's primary school. Like it's, it's, people are trying to, it's the what primary school is the one where you're trying to have a joke. That's the, the, the intentional ones come in secondary school. So primary school one, that's not that's not an issue. And me and people from my primary school were all friends. We've been friends since we left. So, I mean, even, we were even friends there, to be fair. It was all bants. But 
when I was young, I didn't know the difference. I didn't know, are they joking or are they serious? That's what it was like. Are they joking or are they serious? But it, it was all jokes when we're all close to this day. But secondary school now, it's like you say something, when, for me personally, when I'd say, oh, this person's called me blick, which is basically quite actually a racist and colorist ter- term for black people that are dark skin. So when I, when someone would say, oh, you're blick or Jonas, turn the lights off, you can't see Jonas or blend in with the black bin, stuff like that, weird stuff, right? They, like... I used to tell the teachers this has happened and they would not care. They would not care. When I say, oh, they, they've they mocked me for not having my dad in my life, which is actually very serious as well for a young man. Oh, you know, it's not that big of a deal. When I would say something, though, to somebody, like, just as a joke, oh, man, this is, oh, Jonas, like, they're acting like I did something crazy. And I was just sitting there and I was like, wait a minute. So someone can call me, someone could mock me for my home, for my home situation, including calling me poor as well, and mocking me for that, and someone can be racist slash colorist to me, and it's not an issue. But I say one little thing, and it's an issue, and stuff like that. When you keep coming, when I kept, because people always thought I was very hot headed when I was in school. I wasn't hot headed, and people need to. I was very misunderstood in school. People that know me, and even for some reason. It's got to the point where people are coming to me now saying that, and even people knew at the time because they told me during school that I was somebody that people saw as an easy target, both teachers and students. And for me, I would, something would, I would ignore so much stuff. I would ignore so much bullying. I would tell the teacher they wouldn't care. They tell me to come to them, I'd go to them and then they wouldn't care. But then when I do something, it was an issue. So it got to the point where I said to myself, and I realized all of this stuff is building up, building up all the time. But if someone else gets angry out of the blue, it's like, oh, I feel sorry for them. But when Jonas gets angry out of the blue, oh, he just gets angry quickly. And I was like, you don't know what I have to endure on a daily basis. You guys see it and laugh, but you don't register it. All the time, we, we have we have these outbursts when we're being bullied all the time because it's a build-up over time. And it's like no one's here to help us, which is why spaces like this are so important. Because now, because Richard, you created the space... People that are being bullied can come and hear people like myself and Troy and all these other amazing guests that you've had talk about our experiences and be transparent and open. And then they think to themselves, okay, so if I reach out to Jonas or Troy or even Richard, I will have someone to talk to about these kind of things because they've been through what I've been through. They're passionate about what I'm passionate about. And that's what's so important. It's representation because, and that's just just the sacrifice I've got to make in order for me to fulfill my purpose and inspire people and be a very impactful public speaker. I want people to know what I've been through. So then they think to themselves, if Jonas has gone through it, why can't I do that and become successful? That's what I want people to think. If Jonas can get through being getting bullied all the time and all the things that happened when he was younger, why can't I do it? That's what it's about for me, inspiring thousands, no, forget thousands, billions of people. That's what it's about. And if I have to be completely transparent about what I've been through and how I learned from it, then I will do it because I want this world to be in a better place the way it was when I was born. Powerful words, Jonas. And really, it's so important that, as you say, for anyone who listens to this, who may know exactly what it's like for something that might seem like a joke to someone else or, or just 
be quite particular, you know, what you were saying about the colour of your, your skin and, and then the sort of uh, other ways they would kind of, I don't know what the right word is really, but to kind of put you down, pick on you, and then you're left with all that frustration, anger, and I, I would guess a, a powerful sense of injustice, really. And then, of course, you find yourself at times, you know, letting off steam in a way that then itself going to make it look like you're sort of contributing to the difficulties rather than being on the end of them. I was interested, though, given what sound like some pretty intense experiences, what it was that sort of helped you move forward. Because as you say, you're in a very different place now, although we live in a world where injustice and bullying behavior can occur, whether in the workplace, the school, the university, wherever it is. I mean, it, it's it's certainly not gone away. Um, but what, what helped you move forward? Yeah, so great question again. For me personally, I was referred, I, well, my mum got me into therapy. The director of inclusion in my secondary school knew something was up. He knew something was up from my behaviour. He is the only person that said, send Jonas to, to therapy. And the thing is, everyone in my, this is when I was in year eight, everyone in my school hated this guy. And to be honest, I did, I did, I did for a period too. Because I did for a period too, because he sent me home one day when I was really, really angry. But he was the first person to tell me, and he was a very strict teacher, to be fair. Like, he sat me down, and he knew I was seen as a bad... I was misunderstood. I was seen as a bad kid and all this kind of stuff. But really, I had an activist mentality where if I saw an injustice, I would say something about it. And that's what... that's It makes sense now that I'm a public speaker. That, that that's I got in trouble for what I now get paid to do now, help people and try to inspire people. So it got to a point where we we were just talking in the playground, and he said to me, this was after I, I went. I started therapy, but he said to me, Jonas, I've seen boys like you become head boys in year 10. Why can't you do the same? And although I didn't become a prefect, I didn't even apply for it because I knew my school wouldn't, wouldn't choose me, so I didn't even apply for it. But the fact that he said that to me of all people, when a few months ago he sent me home, that right there, and he, I didn't even know till recently he's the one that told my mom to send me to camps. So if he's, I hope he's watching, big up to you. He knows who he is. He retired that same year when I was in year eight, 2015. If you didn't know, he now knows. He was in a Derby County shirt when he was retiring and he gave us his speech. He knows who he is now. He definitely knows who he is now. But big up to him because that started me off with someone to talk to. And I had that until about, so from 2015, the start of it. And that, I'm lucky because that was when I, got, when I got hit by a car a few weeks after I started. If I did not have cams, it would have been so bad because I had bad PTSD after that situation. Very bad PTSD after I got hit by a car. And having that from, I'd say, year eight, let's say mid-year eight to the start of, I ended start of year 12, yeah, to year 12, that was really impactful because if you look at my career, it started a few months after I left CAMS. So if I didn't go to CAMS, would I have been able to start my career the way I did? And would I have been able to have the mental resilience to go through other organisations that I, I did stuff with when I was younger? Because I didn't have my dad in my life. I had to have, my mum had to find some way to fill the void. And if my school kept saying Jonas is bad and calling her in, she said to them one time, look, if you keep saying Jonas is bad, what are you going to do to help him? And she was able to, She, I don't know if the school helped or not, but she was able to get, oh no, she asked to refer me to a, a mentoring charity in my in my area and that really helped me to get to the next level and really get gain confidence 
and just meeting people that inspired me and people that believed in me because I believed in me, but everybody else wouldn't believe in me and would make that known that they don't believe in me. So it's like, oh, it's Jonas, is it Jonas versus the world? Because I generally did think it was me versus the world. Like I'm getting picked on. And then when I try to make banter with people and have a laugh, I'm, I'm, I'm labeled as a bully because I never wanted to be a bully, never. But people are labeling me as it. So I, I was like, I don't want this kind of connotation next to my name. And, but being around people that believed in me and would put so much time into me was so vital for my growth, especially in my teenage years coming off that accident, that car accident as well. And that was the main thing for me that really helped me because without having my dad in my life, people don't know how much that affected me when I was growing up. It affected me a lot. And the fact that I was able to have a mentor and then mentors as I got older. And then when my when I started when I left school in my career, I started doing more voluntary work and all this kind of stuff. When I was able to mature even more, and I've still got more maturing to do, I will never be perfect. I, will, I always have more to learn and more to improve. It got to the point where I was around such a good circle of people. And my circle right now is sensational. I love every single person in my circle right now, both personally and professionally. So the fact that that was available for me and I was able to have a, a positive support network was so vital. And that's probably the main key for me that was it, that, that made me able to get into a better place. Because I'm going to be honest, I at one point just said, you know, I'm a lone wolf. I don't need nobody. I was delusional. I was so, so delusional. I was crazy out of my mind because human connection and being sociable with people was so vital. I didn't know I was an extrovert until lockdown. And although lockdown, I was fine over lockdown. I enjoyed it, to be fair. But the first one, the, the other two, I was working. So it wasn't really a lockdown for me because actually I was a key worker in the first one as well. I've been a key worker in all three of them. So yeah, I've been working in all three of them. But I didn't know I was an extrovert until lockdown. But that taught me your support network and the people that are around you are so, so vital. That's why even today, I came back from today, I went and hosted, hosted an event in Birmingham, an awards dinner. I woke up in the morning and I just went to my Instagram and said, guys, look, thank you, every single one of you, whether I know you in real life or don't. Because some of these people I've never met in real life, but they're supporting me so much and what I'm doing. It could be fake for all I know, but I'm not going to be paranoid and say it is. I believe it's real. So that's why I believe the support network and the people around you are so important. No one no one can ever be, no one's self-made. Everyone's had help along the way from somebody, even if it's your parents. So for me personally, it's the positive people I've, I've, I've had the pleasure of having in my life because at one point in my life, there was barely anyone that was positive around me. And it was all negative, negative, negative. Jonas, you're never going to get anywhere. You're going to end up dead or in jail. You're immature. You're the most immature on our year, blah, 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 blah. And then it got to a point where you got room to grow. Yep. Young, young Jonas, I believe in you. And it sounded like from where you were in, in that early time at school that your mother sort of believing in you and recognising you needed support. And then this particular teacher with the Derby shirt, if I remember, uh, yeah. Jonas, <laughs> actually could see the person that you have clearly moved to become. But I was interested because, I mean, it's, it's interesting that still a part of you then, you may have felt the world was against you, was still 
receptive listening for those people who could support you. And then you mentioned getting to CAMS. Now, it's not always easy to get to CAMS, but again, lots of young people don't necessarily want to go. And you mentioned the car accident, but I just wonder for anyone listening, you know, what was it about that? Because that's outside of school, outside of your family, something different that can be incredibly supportive, but, you know, it's a big step and not everyone wants to take it. Could you say a little bit about what that was like for you? And, and if you were talking to yourself, you know, as a young person again at that age, would you be very much encouraging yourself to go to camps? If I was talking to myself when I was younger, although I went I went there, I don't know how my mum got me to camps without me saying, <laughs> okay, yeah. I don't want to go, in hindsight, because I was very, you could not get me out of the house when I was younger. I was always trying to play video games. Literally, if I'd go somewhere and I didn't want to be, I'd sit in the corner with my hood up and not show my face. I did that a couple of times. I did that twice, actually. But at CAMS, I think, did I did I cover my face when I was at CAMS and put my hood up? I don't know if I did, but that, again, that's lack of confidence. So in my eyes, that's lack of confidence. So I would, if, if I would, if I was talking to my younger self, I'd burst through the door when he's playing PlayStation, grab him and take him to CAMS. Right. That that's what I do, and you can't arrest older Jonas because like <laughs> you can't you can't arrest an older me because you just can't because I'm grabbing up myself. So yeah, so that's what I do. It's important. It's so vital that you have someone to talk to, and especially a professional that you don't know. And at first, it takes time to build trust. It does. But my counselor before she left the place I was when she left, I was heartbroken. I was gutted, honestly, because I was like, I've grown. You've seen me literally go through puberty. When I was younger, I was short. I was short. By year 10, year 11, I was one of the tallest guys in my, in my school. So I went from being one of the shortest to one of the tallest, and she watched that. She watched that happen. And I I feel that once you get into cams, you got to hold that as close as possible because it's, it's, it's long to get in, but when you get in, you're getting weekly sessions, fortnightly sessions however you want however you want and they're so patient because there were sometimes when I used to just skip sessions I'd have a meeting in the diary to meet them but I just wouldn't I just wouldn't be in the place to go and see them and that's nothing that's something I would never do now but again secondary school I was I was different year 10 year 9 year 10 I was different there were sometimes where I just didn't I just didn't want to go and it wasn't because I wanted to be rude or anything it was because I just wasn't in the space and it could be headspace I can't remember specifically but I don't think I was in the frame of mind to be there and it's again it wasn't something disrespectful I respected my counselor heavily but sometimes you're just not going to be in the mood for it but my my recommendation I'm not going to say advice but recommendation is to just go just even if you're not feeling it go because even in my career now there's sometimes where the amount of times I've had a sore throat and I've had to do a public speech, even right now I have a sore throat, but that's not going to stop me from coming and doing this. It's not going to stop me from going and doing a speech and giving these people the best possible Jonas I can give them. It's not going to stop me from doing that. And with therapy, it's not only about not letting your counsellor down, but not letting yourself down. Because you never know, you could miss the session and that session could have been something that switched the paradigm of the way that you're thinking or the way that you view what you're going through. And... It's something that is a gift. Therapy is a gift. I feel like even if you're not, you're not going through anything, you should have therapy. Even if you're fine, just having someone to talk to 
is is very very good especially during these tough times and these are challenging times i'm sick of this pandemic honestly it's starting to get in the way of my things it's starting to get in the way of my life now so yeah it's so so vital to go to therapy and i recommend that even if you're not going through any challenges just have someone to talk to it's an investment not a cost it's an investment in yourself that is personal development right there personal development isn't just motivational quotes and sounded smart when you talk it's stuff like that as well well i I think that's a really nice sort of way of helping people understand and and that person who went through all those years with you and I would guess also understood that the times where you didn't turn up, where there was just too much happening in your life, that was okay too. And and you were talking earlier, Jonas, about acceptance. And a good therapist, I guess, is really good at acceptance and, and not judging, but just helping you think and personally develop, as you say. So that sounds like a really good experience. But you've you've clearly moved on. Life in lots of ways sounds much more exciting i guess in terms of this great circle that you have um but you're also very much saying that those relationships and being able to talk are things that now you can do with your circle and that you can kind of take things you've learned earlier about what supports you and and do them in the present with the people around you in a, in a sort of more ordinary um straightforward way yeah 100 percent my circle, and it's not even my circle, I say our circle, because it's all of us. Well, to be honest, I, I, people in my circle, only some of them have met before, but they will meet. If it's not at my wedding, then I don't know, I might organise a birthday thing, I don't know, but they need to meet because they're all sensational. And the thing is, a lot of people, this might be a bit off topic, but a lot of people, they only talk to people above them or below them or on their level, but you need to have a mix because that's when you have a diverse way of thinking. You can't have to be talking to so many people that you're doing more than because then you might start slacking. You can't just be talking to people that are doing more than you because then you might not have a work-life balance. You can't just be talking to people that are on your level because then you're going to keep competing with people. And then that is sometimes what can mess with your well-being. And also, you never know, you could be, just to link it back to bullying, some people may be doing better than you and then they want to t- t- take shots at you because of that. Or someone's doing their absolute best to become, even me, trying to do, trying their absolute best to be positive and inspire people and all this kind of stuff. But then people just, people that are quite insecure, if I'm being honest, they'll send shots at you. They'll say, oh, you think you know it all or the, the, the silly things. And then it's just like, where did that come from? And if someone consistently says that to you and you don't like it, it makes you feel a type of way, that goes back to our bullying definition that we spoke about in the first question. So that's why it's so important to have a positive circle and your circle doesn't need to be big. It doesn't need to be big at all. I think my circle personally doesn't have more than five or six people, but the value of it is stupendous. That's what matters. It's not about size, it's about value. Yeah, well, I think we've all moved on from the world of having lots of friends on social media and, and actually recognizing that those people that you can be yourself with but i think what you're saying as well jonas is they're the people that hold on to all the good things about you perhaps even if you're having a bad day you may not be a hundred percent sore throat or feeling a bit grumpy or irritable whatever the word would be but actually having good people around you they, they, they'll accept that but also keep hold of the the picture of you rather like that teacher of someone that um, you can be on other days or, or, or 
perhaps even more so in the future. So really great message there to look for those good relationships in your life. Well, I'm thinking that um, having heard so much about such a, an intense and at times traumatic period of your life, Jonas, that you have moved forward in so many ways and hearing about your public speaking and awards dinners and all sorts of extraordinary things that you're doing now, again, shows that you can come through, especially if you can be open to the support that you may not even know is there. And and it is important to either reach out or, or show yourself that you deserve something more, even if you feel sometimes the world is against you. Yeah, it, it, It's just so great to hear how much development that there's been in your life, how much progress and, and how you seem to be in a, a much happier place. But we tend to finish our podcast, and I hope you're up for this, by doing absolutely the reverse of that. And uh, you've told us about your experience of lockdowns, and uh, perhaps the first one was a a bit of a novelty for many of us. But um, as you say, you can get a bit sicker for the pandemic. But we tend to ask the people we're talking to if they were going back into lockdown again, and let's hope we don't have that, but if that were to happen, and you could take three people who were either famous or prominent a really small circle to spend that lockdown with. Are there three people that you can think of that you would take with you? That's another good question. I think for me, you've got to go for different things. You've got to go for, firstly, someone that's humorous. So you can have some laughs. You've got to go for someone that's intelligent. And you've got to go for someone that's motivational. There's so many people I can choose from, but I'm not going to choose any celebrity. Because me personally, I prefer people that are grassroots quote-unquote but people that are not famous but still doing amazing things i'm not saying i have anything negative to say about celebrities because i really don't but i just i just like people that are doing it from that aren't in the public eye doing it if you know what i mean because i feel they deserve the credit the the more credit than they get for humor someone to make me laugh man someone that will make me laugh honestly there's so many people i've met recently who i want to i'd want to put on here but I think, firstly, I'm going to put my brother, the man who used to mentor me from 2019 to 2020, Michael Sode. Hilarious guy. We've had great moments together. And he's someone that is just amazing. He's got the knowledge as well. He's got the knowledge as well. He's got the best of both worlds. He came with me because even when we're not bantering, he can still drop some gems and, and, and it reminds me of things. Be someone to talk to, but also be real with me too because... Sometimes it'll just be like, sometimes I'll say stuff to him and they'll just, well, this is back in back when he used to mentor me a few years ago. I say stuff to him and he'd just be like, oh, okay. Or, oh, boo-hoo. <laughs> and I'm, another time I'm like, oh, bro, like, bro, I need to chat to you about this seriously. But it's like, sometimes you're not going to have time to chat to people. So, especially doing what I'm doing as an entrepreneur. So it's great to have time to chat to people, but sometimes I need to be, I need to understand that it's not going to, that's a, that's a luxury. That That is a luxury. So... Sometimes I need to just say, you know what? What am I going to do about this? How am I going to feel better if I can't chat to anybody right now? Go and exercise, go and meditate, do stuff like that. So he's someone that will inspire me to do that. Without even telling me to do that, it's someone that will inspire me to do that. Secondly, for motivation, I'd go for Lewis Howell. Lewis Howell, I'd go for him. He is somebody that, he's from Mabara, from Lucian. He's somebody that is amazing at their craft and somebody that, he doesn't give me advice unless I ask for it. And okay. there's a lot of times where I need guidance. So I ask various people for advice, not just him, various people. And he's somebody that just, he's someone that when I first heard them public speak, 
I was in absolute awe at how amazing he was and how intelligent he is. And the stuff that the, the habits that he has, I'm just like, I just look at him and I'm like, no, I need to, I need to change my life around. I need to eat more fruits. I need to exercise more. He's someone that you look at and think to yourself, why am I not performing? Why, why am I, am I being average right now? And that's not in terms of a competition thing, but a thing of, oh, so there's another level that I need to get to. A lot of the times we think to ourselves, oh yeah, I'm, I'm doing all I can. But then you don't, under, you don't see people that are doing amazing stuff. So you think you're doing amazing, but then you see people like him and you're like, oh, okay, I need to do more. So he's the second person that I'd put on there. And the third and final person I put on there is you, Richard. <laughs> I'm being honest with you, Richard, the knowledge that you have and the stuff you've been doing, the way Troy spoke about you and the stuff that you're doing in terms of this is absolutely amazing. And I know I told you before we recorded that I'm so grateful that you're having me on, but just speaking to you about this and hearing the way that you're conveying and structuring the questions and everything like this, is just amazing. And I have so much respect for you. I haven't even met you in real life, but I have so much respect for you and what you're doing. So you're someone that I'd want to have by my side during the lockdown to just be someone to give me knowledge, give me the advice as well, and just be someone that I can talk to when I'm stressed at work because I was getting stressed with work while I was in lockdown, to be fair. And yeah, that's that's who I'd bring with me in lockdown. That's a really nice selection about the last one, which I think is a bit dodgy. And that's partly because uh, Troy may not have told you that I pay him to say those things. Uh, so, <laughs> so um, yeah, but but to be fair to you, you know, after we've been talking for well over half an hour now, and um, if, if you can uh, take a, a bit of me for 30 minutes or so, then uh, we'll probably get through lockdown all right. So uh, that's, that's very kind. But really nice to hear as well about the people in your life, because it just reminds me of a really key part of good mental health is being able to appreciate things. And even more so, I think, appreciate people. And one of the themes that's run through all that you've said today, really, is despite some, you know, accidents and, and bullying and all sorts of terrible times, you know, you you can still appreciate what people have done. You know, you know that it could have been better, but there are some people, as you're mentioning now, who you'd take into lockdown that you would really appreciate their their talents, their skills, their values, and I, I think that that is, yeah, motivating and and inspiring. So great choices, apart from as I say, the dodgy third one. You are also able to take. Something that would be a bit more entertaining, give you a bit of a break from the frustrations of lockdown, ideally on a phone or tablet or something like that. Music, film, even a book, recording of a sporting event, whatever it is, some sort of media that you could carry around with you in a, in a lockdown situation. Does anything come to mind there? Is there any piece of music, some yeah. TV show, film? Yeah, I think I'd take, firstly for music, Kendrick Lamar. If I had to choose, if I had to choose an album, Good Kid, Mad City, I'd choose that album to bring in. That's the first item. The second item, I wish I could just take the whole of Netflix, but I can't. I <laughs> well, I suppose if you have the internet and a subscription, you can. But uh, go on, see if you can choose one show. Yeah, the one show I choose is Power. Uh -huh. Power. I choose Power as a show to watch, and for a book. Oh, I'm just looking at my shelf. What's my favorite book on here? The book I would choose is. I'd choose, actually, no, in lockdown, I haven't read this book yet, but I'd choose The Chimp, The Chimp 
Chimp, I think it's called Chimp Paradox. Let me search it up, sorry. Chimp, basically, it's about managing managing your mind. Yeah, the Chimp Paradox. A trained mind management program to help you achieve success, confidence, and happiness. That's what it's called by Steve Peters. So the reason I choose that is because lockdown, your head's all over the place. You know, it's tough times. You're at home. You actually can't go anywhere. So I need something to help me during those times. So I've already got the TV and music down pat already. But I need to be intellectual. I need to sit down, keep my glasses on, and read something in the morning and in the evening. So especially that topic as well during those times, I feel that would be very vital. That makes huge sense. Some food for your mind and something that might help you grow during all those frustrating hours that we end up um, not able to do the things we want. You've also mentioned you've been working hard, even being a key worker during the lockdowns. So we're going to let you take something that we call a luxury. What would you have in that lockdown space with you that kind of would be that nice thing that would give you a bit of a boost when perhaps you are struggling? Anything come to mind? Oh, 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 thank you. You're part of your time, Richard. Well, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I'd probably take, wish I could take a plane to a beach, but I can't. Oh, okay. I think I'd take a bike. Sounds boring, but I'd take a bike. No? Yeah. That's, that's a pretty smart choice because I think yeah. even the Prime Minister was cycling around in lockdown. Yeah, I think, actually, we did have one other guest who did suggest a plane and i suppose if you were in lockdown inside the plane in theory you could be jetting all over the place i guess with cop 26 going on at the moment and the climate emergency you may not want to do too much but still a bike would respect the environment keep mm-hmm. you fit and get you out and probably give you some sunshine on the days when the weather's good to to keep that biological clock and you sleep good that's a, that's a, a really good choice and i think being a luxury item you can have a really nice one yeah 100 percent. well jonas thank you so much i'm sure we could talk for hours and if there is another lockdown perhaps we'll have to find a way of, of staying in touch during that but just really great not just to hear about that journey from from really tough times terrible times to to being in a better place in your life but as i say just such fantastic ways of appreciating the people who have also been helping you along the way and your circle now that do so today so thank you for that message we wish you even further success with your future thank you so much richard and again thank you to you so much you're an amazing podcast host and the platform that you've created is sensational so just keep it up and we're all inspired by you thank you too troy It's great to be talking again, and I guess I want to start to give the listener a bit of context to why we're we're talking together today. We've been working together, uh, good thinking and partnership for Young London for some years now, and we wanted to do something for Anti-Bullying Week. And as we were looking together at some of the support that was available via the Anti-Bullying Alliance website, which we'll give a link to later on, you made a comment that I guess surprised me a bit, which was that you wished you'd had some of that support when you were younger. Um, and I guess I know you as, you know, the the successful adult and, and you know, colleague that I, I can work with today. But what was it that led you to say that? You know, what what, what were you thinking? What, what What's the story behind that? So at the age of, of around nine or 10, that's when the bullying started. Um, and it happened all the way through until probably the age of 16, and that's because the you know the bullying started in in primary school and 
the bullies moved me to secondary school and then they were there in my sick form as well. But by the age of like 16, it kind of died down a bit, but the trauma of, uh, of what happened still lingered for a few years and, you know, it completely, completely shook my confidence and, and, you know, my own understanding of who I am. I guess um, that, you know, I'd often put on a, an, you know, overly confident facade to mask my insecurities. So, so that's, that's, that's a little bit of, of, of background as to, as to, you know, my journey. Um, uh, I guess that's something that you can bring to your work with young people now, many of whom will have also had similar experiences. Definitely. I think for me, my experience of, of, of bullying is definitely one of the main drivers behind why I do what I do when it comes to youth work. And, you know, I've been fortunate enough to even do some workshops in the school, in the school where I got bullied to talk about my experience um, in order to kind of break down those barriers and engage and, and inspire those young people who, who may be going through some of the challenges that, that I had and I, I, I guess one of the questions I'd be interested to hear you talk about, and, you know, absolutely fine that we, we don't have to, to go there, but if you could have given yourself some advice to your nine-year-old self, you know, when, it, when things were just starting, and I guess it's so hard to sometimes even understand quite what's happening, are there things that you would sort of say to yourself back in then now, you know, things that you might advise? Definitely. I think one of the biggest things, and, you know, I was pretty lucky to, even though I didn't feel as though that I got much support from from the teachers, you know, my mum was my biggest advocate and, and supported me the whole way through. And one of the things that she, you know, she always encouraged me to um, to think about is is the idea that opinions are just opinions. They're not facts. And I think, you know, it's difficult, obviously, being a nine-year-old, um, and the only person who's supporting your corner is your mum, because you're like, well, you're my mum, you're, you're going to do that anyway. But I think I've had a chance to to go back in you know, some time machine and 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 speak to my nine-year-old self. I'll just tell myself opinions are opinions, not facts. And I guess that's a re- very real issue for lots of people now, given some of the toxicity we see online anyway. But I guess appreciating those words from your mother that you know, that they're not facts, they're not true, the things being said could have given you a bit of a buffer against some of those words that were being said. Definitely, but I think I think it would have been better if it came from the teachers, you know, the people who probably spend <laughs> spent more time or as as much, if not more, time with me than my mum did. Because you know, I mentioned earlier that you know I got a sense that the teachers didn't believe what was happening, and I think even the students who were who were who were doing the bullying uh, did too. They sensed that the teachers weren't taking it seriously, so that allowed it to continue for a very long time. So for me, I think also, you know, if if I had somebody or, or multiple members of staff just to say, just to come up and support me during that time that that really would have helped me but uh, I, I didn't feel as though that I got that I guess one of the things that's perhaps worth then thinking about is if you were talking to your nine-year-old self would you now be trying to help them think about who they could talk to that might be on their side and I, I guess sometimes that's not always easy but there are I don't know whether this would have worked for you but services like um, Childline or, or now there's Shout the crisis text helpline if you get access to a phone would something like that have helped if, if no one in your school seemed to be taking it seriously yeah I think definitely I think also perhaps it's 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 a you know if I were to speak to myself it would it would perhaps build the confidence to do that because I think at the time, especially when you're, you know, you're rock bottom in in terms of just how you 
value yourself that option of speaking to to somebody else that may not even cross your mind so i think if you know i had a, a member of staff or an adult within the school setting who just helped me build that confidence i you know i i wasn't even aware that child line could support some of the issues that that I was I was facing. Um, I didn't know that I could talk to them about bullying. So I think it would start within the school whereby, like I said, an adult would help build my confidence, but also, you know, signpost me to, to any services that, you know, if I'm outside of school and I didn't feel as though that I can talk to anybody, um, I could turn to that as well. And I think that's a very powerful message for anyone listening who, who maybe may still be experiencing bullying behaviours that actually you do deserve that opportunity to find and talk to someone. And if that person is online or, or via a phone, do try and make that call, take that step. Because I guess otherwise, I think what you're saying, Troy, is you might find yourself losing confidence, living with something for far too long, and it gets that bit harder then to, to try and sort of reach out and, and get that support. Yeah, you learn. You're just coping. You're just surviving. Especially if the bullying's happening on a on a day to day basis, you you start to develop habits to protect and to defend yourself. But you don't really build on those behaviors that can help you thrive. So I would say, yeah, I was definitely in a state of of surviving rather than thriving. And and yeah, I just I just wish I had a bit more support to to help me during those during those times in school. And so I guess one of the other things that we can do together is also help people who are in those situations also understand not only, well, I guess, first of all, what, what, what is happening to them and that that's not right and it's not your fault, but also that there are still other routes, other supports that you might be able to reach out to that could support you in trying to break away from those bullying behaviors and start to build confidence again yeah and I, I agree with that I think especially with with social media like back then there was there was definitely an issue with with me around digital access I think especially these days where you know devices are readily available or you know there's you know you're not you're never too far from a Wi-Fi hub young people there's a lot of resources online that young people can access to support them um, outside of the school place or even during school hours um, which during during my time as a youth worker the young people who I speak to you know I'm, I'm, I'm more aware now of, of what what services are out there and you know, I could just send them a link via WhatsApp um, to an Instagram account or to a website to help support them. So so there's, there's a bit of good news there that despite some of the, the cyberbullying that goes on, there, there's also support out there. I just wanted to finish on the fact that obviously things have moved forward for you and, you know, you're helping a lot of people now and, and developing in your own work and your career in lots of positive ways. What were some of the things, you know, when you got to 16 and things started to change, could you say a little bit about some of the things that were most helpful for you in your recovery out of that terrible time? I would, de I would definitely say engaging in team sport, just anything to do with like physical movement, moving my body was was a massive outlet for me in, ter in, in terms of, like I said, just any any frustration or any you know negative thoughts the ability to go onto a basketball court and then to shoot 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 a few, a few shots or to play a team game with people who you know didn't know my backstory and just accepted me for who I was was I would say was the biggest uh, was the biggest kind of um, kicker when it came to transition into the person who I've become today and also just just being open to engaging with different groups of people outside of say outside of the school place i just thought that everybody was going to be 
as nasty um, as as the people in my school. But it was only until I actually went out and explored and you know took part in volunteering or got involved in different projects that that's when you know I started to see changes in myself. And I'd say th- those were the two main things: was volunteering and and just physical movement. The physical movement one is interesting because lots of people who experience trauma can get a lot of relief if they're starting to remember something traumatic by moving their body in a different way to the time of the trauma. So so that, that can help a, a great deal. But then I think what you're saying is despite all those years, all that suffering, actually being open to the possibility there were other people who could be different from those that were carrying out the bullying behavior actually then helped you find I guess a, a different world 100 percent. the the feeling of being accepted whether it's after scoring a goal on a football field or being accepted by a new group of people it really just opened my eyes to the fact that these people who were bullying me you know these these are this the, they're not reflective of everybody not everybody's going to treat me that way there's people out there who you know really do accept me and, and love me and and that really helped build um, my confidence but that's again like going back to one of the main drivers behind youth workers because i realized that okay i can help other young people feel appreciated to, to feel inspired to feel uplifted so so yeah those that that's yeah, yeah that was quite that was quite important for me and we did a podcast last year with professor neil greenberg that actually also talked about something called post-traumatic growth. You know, we hear a lot about post-traumatic stress disorder, about how people are left after traumatic experiences, but he was sharing that it's possible to sort of kind of get to a better place than you were before the, the trauma happened. And it sounds like in your journey, Troy, that's what you've been striving to achieve, really, to, to be somewhere better than, than that time when you were nine and, and the bullying started. And I never imagined that I'd be in this space. If you asked me at the age of nine, would I be working with young people? I would say no. <laughs> so I, would, I would laugh at myself. <laughs> so, so the fact that I'm in this position to look back and you know say that I'm I'm here to support and, and empower young people, um, you know, it's something that I'm truly grateful for. I thought you were going to say you never expected to be working with a psychiatrist in the way you have, but then <laughs> neither did I. So. Um, <laughs> Thank you so much, Troy. And it's really great to have that perspective of somebody who now is succeeding as an adult and has, has come through all those terrible days, but is finding you know, something positive, even some joy and inspiration in, in what you're able to do now with those insights. So thank you for your time again. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.